Clovercrest Media proudly presents Divided We Stand. Divided We Proudly Stand. We're going to have a little fun tonight. We're going to talk about some terrible things. I could have said, Mitt, drop to your knees. He would have dropped to his knees. You're fired. Starring Joe Aguirre, Brian Forster, and Eric Farron. Very fine people on both sides. I didn't come along and divide this country. I think it's a disgrace. I stand here ready to work with you. Let me talk. Quiet. And we will make America great again. Divided. We stand not as two parties, but as one nation. It's been a pretty good past few days for Donald Trump. Job numbers are up, unemployment is down, and the Rasmussen poll has him at a 51% approval rate. For once, the answer to the question, you know that creepy old guy who wants to be president, is not Donald Trump. At least it's not only Donald Trump. <laughs> so much winning. Mexico is apprehending migrants by the thousands with their cooperation, and definitely not because of the logistical nightmare it would create. Definitely not. The southern border will stay open. Anthony Barr still reviewing the Mueller report, and we're no closer to seeing its contents. It's ironic. The president doesn't drink booze. Connecticut's getting closer to legalizing chronic. The Lakers didn't beat the Supersonics. <laughs> they actually lost to the Thunder, who relocated from Seattle last Tuesday, 119-103. <laughs> oh, good. No word yet, though, on any new hydraulic systems in the president's security vehicles, but it's fair to assume they'll be coming. And he didn't have to use his AK. <laughs> or eat hog for breakfast. President Trump even had time to make Ridiculous claims about the dangers of wind energy. Hillary wanted to put up wind. Wind. If you, if you have a windmill anywhere near your house, congratulations. Your house just went down 75% in value. <laughs> and they say the noise causes cancer. You tell me that one, okay? <laughs> you know, the thing makes it so... And of course, it's like a graveyard for birds. He doesn't even try to tell the truth. <laughs> I'm guessing those wind cancer correlation medical records are probably with his bone spur reports. <laughs> he knows he gets a pass from his supporters. It's just, oh, that's just Trump being Trump. You know, he shoots from the hip. Why use science when you can just use feelings? <laughs> Trump is doing everything he can to change the conversation from the Mueller report to literally anything else. Anything. The border, Israel, jobs, Joe Biden gifts, <laughs> the Fed. His selective care when it comes to optics is pretty incredible. On one hand, he is a master at manipulating the media because he doesn't care about the truth. On the other hand, he knows that putting Herman Cain back in the spotlight by nominating him for a seat on the Federal Reserve Board is good for business, both Trump organization business and the affordable pizza business. <laughs> both kinds. <laughs> This economy is on life support. That's why my 999 plan is a bold solution. It starts with throw out the current tax code and pass the 9% 9% business flat tax, the 9% personal personal income tax, and the 9% national sales tax. Herman Cain is as qualified to sit on the Federal Reserve Board as Dolores Umbridge was to run Hogwarts. <laughs> That's a deep reference. Well done. Thank you. Two years ago, one might have asked, wouldn't the president want to put nonpartisan financial experts in charge of running the country's money? <sighs> those were the days. Yeah, remember those? After two years, I still don't think the president knows what the Fed does, other than fight him on reducing interest rates 
and pushing back on him wanting to print more money. They definitely do that. Yes, they do. <laughs> for a party that blames the other for wanting to become Venezuela, why don't Republicans celebrate our regulatory financial institution? Surely they must know that one of Venezuela's biggest problems was that their money became devalued due to rapidly printing more of it. Don't call him Shirley. And don't try to explain <laughs> what the Fed does to him. I mean, the guy just figured out health care, so baby steps. <laughs> one thing at a time. And the Federal Reserve is a prison. No, basically it's a help-for-profit bank that sets interest rates and loans money to other banks. You listen to me, you wins and not wearing monkey. How would you know if he's clean or not? I will take a look at your evidence, and I will take a second look at the financials. And when I come back and bust your ass, we're locking David Ershon in the Federal Reserve. He still didn't understand the concept. Another Trump nominee for the Federal Reserve Board is Stephen Moore. Have you guys heard about this guy? Nope. He's a senior member of the Heritage Foundation. Oh. He's a guy that knows a lot about economics and personal finance. That he's sounds an, good. Well, he's an author. Yeah. yeah. He co-wrote the book, Trumponomics. Oh, jeez. Ah. To rave reviews. <laughs> so... One of the reviews was from the 45th president. Come on. And he said, said, Stephen Moore and Arthur Laffer, two very talented men, have just completed an an incredible book on economic policies, or as they call it, Trumponomics. They've really done a great job in capturing my long-held views and ideas. This book is on sale now, a terrific read of a really interesting subject. (laughs) (laughs) Other great things of Stephen Moore was also found to be in contempt of court for fi- for failing to pay over $300,000 in alimony and child support in 2012. He also owes the IRS something like $75,000 in back taxes. Great guy. Yeah. All the best people. Here's Stephen Moore on Roy Moore. Come on. Uh, Judge Roy Moore was kind of a creep, and I think these are obviously very serious allegations against him. But I also think that it is appropriate for the people of Alabama to make this decision. And, you know, this, is, this election is almost a jury of his peers, right, to, to uh, indicate whether the people of Alabama want this man to represent them. By the way, the Democrat is no sane either. This is a, the Democratic candidate is for partial birth abortion in a, in a state that's highly Christian and Catholic. I mean, so, the, you know, there's no moral high ground here between the two candidates. Well, I'd simply I- I- say, except, yeah. except that one is a... Except one, except one is an alleged child molester. Yeah, and the other one is for partial birth abortion, which a lot of people in Alabama think is, which is tantamount a- to murder. This is what life post Mueller will be like, and emboldened Trump doubling down on his base instincts. Buckle up, it's going to get worse before it gets better. <laughs> President Donald Trump's recent claim that noise from wind turbines causes cancer was idiotic. <laughs> That's not me saying it. That's Republican Senator Chuck Grassley of Iowa, who said that it also shows that Trump doesn't respect uh, Chuck Grassley as the grandfather of the wind energy tax credit, something he holds dear to his heart. He authored the Wind Energy Incentives Acts of 1993. Now, it's important to know this about Iowa. It's home to more than 4,000 wind turbines, and it provides 37% of the state's electricity. And Chuck Grassley doesn't have cancer? He's so far so good somehow. Uh, Joni Ernst, the other Iowa senator, said, I would say it's ridiculous. She likened the claim that wind turbine causes cancer to the idea that church bells do the same thing. (laughs) Uh, Fact checkers have looked into this. There is absolutely, as you might have expected, no scientific evidence that wind turbine and the noise they make causes cancer. The White House has been asked to provide evidence. And has not done so. 
Cool. I'm relieved for one. I mean, I drive to the Cape. We see those big wind turbines (laughs) on the way down there like every summer. It's good to know I'm safe. Yeah. Well, if church bells cause cancer, what happens at noon? Everywhere. (laughs) Six o'clock? Dodge the bullet. Let me tell you something. I did my taxes this week. Got a nice refund from the feds. They they really did a nice job. I was very skeptical. I assumed it was going to be bad news. They capped the the mortgage interest and capital gains and some other things. And uh, people in 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 the New England area, Connecticut, New York, uh, New Jersey, and uh, still I'll, talking about New England. No, no, no. I'm talking about the tri-state <laughs> the area. Tri-state area. The tri-state area, right near New England. Uh, but states like that, where 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 I heard a lot of complaints, people were getting uh, less of a refund. I did very well under President Trump, and th- this is going to sound a little crazy. If if he were to stop saying stupid things like that about the wind causing cancer, or or even better, that if the wind's not blowing, you lose power, <laughs> he might he might be able to win me over. I I would be I would be listen. At this point, he didn't he didn't collude with Russia. He somehow stupidly bungled through that. And if that's the case, or not stupidly. Well, whatever the case. Whatever whatever it is, the only way that this president could possibly get my he's got to cut this this kind of nonsense out. I I'm done with this. And, and and it's funny, you know, you mentioned in the opening piece about how he manipulates the media because they do care about truth. And they constantly yeah. point it out, and it's like, yeah, and what? What What are we doing with that? I think that's kind of how everybody feels about him in a way. Like, just shut your mouth and just stick to business, and we can maybe look past some of the things that we don't like about you as long as, you know, you are just working. You say that, but his supporters love that he keeps talking. They love the fact that he just, like I said before, he shoots from the hip. It doesn't matter to them. They think it's funny that he talks about, oh, that's like a graveyard for birds. He said it and people applaud it. People applaud because it's it's funny. People applaud because they're like, oh, yeah. I don't think people are like, that. that's a real true thing. I think people just like, you said it. They like that he shoots from the hip and that he says all these stupid things. Where I have an issue with Donald Trump is, is by convincing people that friends are enemies and that enemies are friends because... It's just not true, and you're you're doing people a complete disservice by telling them things that are against their best interests, and it's it's a shame that a lot of people don't bother to do any sort of research. They take things at face value, uh, you know. And I love that the media keeps track of how many lies this guy's told, as if that. I mean, yeah, got it. At like twenty, at twenty, it, he's a pathological liar. I get it because normally that would matter. But it doesn't with Trump. Right. And that's what's frustrating because I am feel like I'm center-ish. Center-ish. When it comes to economics, let's not spend money we don't have. Right. Let's cut spending. I don't necessarily think what Trump is doing economically is that bad. Um, it's just when he starts talking about all this other stuff and you're just like, why? Why? But his supporters love it. Because he, the, no president's ever spoken like him before, is what they tell you. That doesn't make it good. But his supporters love it, but that's just that, though. They're his supporters. He should be trying to get everybody right. on page with him. And if it's just by doing a good job, that's fine. He doesn't have to be a big mouth. He doesn't have to go and say these ridiculous things and lie 
to get the attention. If he's doing a good job, that's going to come, and then maybe it'll come in more support from people who wouldn't necessarily support him in the first place. Right. Well, again, you're 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 probably not going to win the next election if you just keep all the same people as last time and alienate everybody else. And that's where I think Trump is right now. I think that's what happened in November, right? I mean, people were people who made us jump ship, you know, to vote for him the first time were like, "No, we're not doing this. We're oh, not do, we're not going along with the Republicans. We're not going along with you. We got to do something to fix this." A big time. And 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 I think in 2020, I think he's going to really find that being a bigger issue. So uh, it, it might be time to, again, I'll, I'll never expect him to act presidential, but to start doing things that are for the country and not just pandering to your to your base because they're locked in. They're locked in, but there's not a lot of them. Yeah, and I, I say that to people a lot. I said, this time around, he's going to have a political record. Before, he was kind of an unknown. I mean, we knew about him because he was a, a celebrity and a, and a businessman, a real, a real estate guy, but we didn't really know politically about him but now he's got a political record that his opponents can now jump on him for him like this is what you did and this was not right and this is what you said and this isn't right either so back that up and dumbing down his political record it's going to be wow he made it really difficult on immigrants and he's been installing conservative justices and his base is going to love it absolutely here's another thing his base is going to love joe biden (laughs) who is the presumed front runner for the democratic nomination a total of seven women now have come forward with accusations of inappropriate behavior. Three of them spoke out after he actually responded to the allegations. Mm-hmm. And his apology wasn't great. Uh, he said the gestures of support and encouragement I've made to women and some men have made them feel uncomfortable. And he pledged he was going to be more mindful of people's personal spaces. I found it curious that Donald Trump would pounce on the guy for that, seeing as how that is definitely not Trump's uh, probably biggest best life. strength. Yes, yes. Yeah. right, right. Uh, you know, if again, if Trump were let smart, Kellyanne take that one. Yes, <laughs> let Kellyanne and the gang. They'll take care of him. Right. You can't. You right. can't. Go Mike there. Pence, knock him down. <laughs> right on. Yes, sir. You know, look, I, I, I've never loved Joe Biden. And, uh, you know, already I've seen the crack in the Democratic Party with, you know, another old white guy who doesn't get it. He was he made a speech the other night and certainly had uh, certainly had some some jokes about it. Uh, He hugged a couple people as he walked out and he he made be sure to mention that he got their permission to do so. It's not something to laugh about, Joe Biden. You know, it's not. And. I, I'm I'm not sure Joe Biden is the right guy to get into that with for Donald. I, I it, it it's it would be an interesting race if it was the two of them. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Especially I, since they've threatened to beat each other up before. Yeah, behind like the high school by the flagpole. <laughs> yeah. Oh, those debates will be must see must see television if Joe Biden decides to run. But do you think that the Biden thing is? A Me Too issue? Well, here's the funny part. As compared to the other Me Too issues? Yes. But these Joe Biden stories and things that are coming out, where are they coming from? Are they coming from the left or are they coming from the right? I think it's important to know kind of who's starting this up. Obviously, Trump is going to hop right on because it's it's a chance to kick an opponent when he's he's going through some (laughs) stuff. But I I think it's – 
the progressive left who are saying, oh, we can't elect this guy yes. because of all, you know, because of his questionable past, you know, not his his record. The on, one person on... I saw levying allegation was a Democratic right. uh, legislator, I believe, in New Mexico, who was like, he kind of rolled up on me, they, sniffed my hair, yeah. which even Trump's not that creepy, dude. What are you doing? Haven't they said, though, they didn't feel like it was sexual. It was just kind of a weird, creepy grandpa creepy. move. And that's where I think it's going to it's going to affect him is it looks it makes him look old. It makes him look like he's somebody's grandfather. You know, they use the moniker he is Creepy old. Joe all the time. And this has been going on. This is documented. There's photographs of this. There's I think I think it might have been the Daily Show at one point did a whole video package of, you know, how he touched people. And I don't know. I, I don't know. Where here's to do what it. I here's what I don't like. And I and I already can kind of see it. And I'm not trying to pin this on you, Eric, but the whole the whole. <laughs> no, I'm just saying. Everybody in the right now, all of a sudden, is like really good creepy Joe. Nobody cared when it was Trump, but now, now they was, care. And I'm not even talking about the progressive le- at all. I'm literally talking about conservative media is having a field day with it. And again, it's like the irony is totally lost on people. Like creepy Joe can't be the president, but pervy Don can. What? Well, if Joe would creep on people in a locker room, then he'd be fine. No, not, I, I, you got to keep it in the locker room. That's so. right. Is that that's what right. it is? I think so. I'm not saying I'm not <laughs> saying that he can't be president because of this behavior. I'm just saying it's going to make him look just just the fact that it makes him look out of touch makes it so he can't be. I president. would think it would give Donald Trump's base something to really think about. Absolutely, you would think so, but it seems like they're kind of brushing it off. What are the headlines? When I Google searched some of these stories, was Joe Biden finds strange allies in Fox News and the right or something <laughs> like that. And it's like, well, of course they do, because they need to back up what all yeah. the crap that they've been pulling for decades, too. Well, yeah, I mean, I, I was just talking to a, a Republican buddy of mine the other day who was like, I really don't care if Joe Biden was rubbing people's shoulders and being weird. That's how we used to do things. And it's that mindset that I think could help Joe Biden win the day was back in the old days. You could do that. And you have, but you have Trump retweeting these these videos of, of Biden <laughs> yeah. and Biden saying, "Hey, nice work. Way to be very presidential." I'm paraphrasing, obviously, but that's just where we are. He also didn't really apologize either. He just kind of said, "All right, well, it wasn't appropriate, and I didn't intentionally make people feel uncomfortable. That's just how I did things. I won't do it anymore." But look what happened when Al Franken apologized. They oh, were like, for sure. "Not enough. You got to step down now." And, and I, so I think Biden's playing it smart. I think he is too. And I've been one to say Al Franken should still have a job. Yeah. I don't think he should have had to have resign. I think they just pushed him too hard because he came right on the heels of Harvey Weinstein. Mm-hmm. And I think we finally got to a point, maybe through this Me Too movement, where we can differentiate between like something that Harvey Weinstein did and what Joe Joe Biden is doing. They're, they're very different things, and they don't all end up in the same group. So if I could summarize, it's too bad Al Franken let his conscience get in the way? Yes. Stupid conscience. I, I read two interesting things, I'll tell you, before we sort of move on here. Number one, that Donald Trump's cognitive abilities, apparently, the whole thing with the origins, oranges, oranges, <laughs> oranges, um, it, it, a lot of medical professionals are concerned about his cognitive abilities and there's been some talk within the white house that he may not run in 2020 that the grind of this day in and day out thing uh they're not sure he's up for it he certainly sounds like somebody who plans on running though and i don't know that i put a ton of stock into you know 
medical experts talking about his cognitive ability. The guy's the president. How do you get there? Oranges, I mean, oranges, eh. oranges. Windmills kill birds and cause cancer. Come on. Well, you know, w, if your grandfather was talking like that, you'd put him in the home. You W head flubs. I, I'm not going to condemn the guy because he he botched a word. He botched it like eight times in a row. He's <laughs> insane. He's not so good I, with the words. He's I watched got the best that video. Words. I thought somebody had looped it together. It was literally he just kept repeating it I, like a knucklehead. I'd have to hear him say things like supposedly a couple times and be like, you know what, that's that's this is somebody look after him. Give right. him a few tongue twisters and yeah. see if he can get through them. Uh and and the other thing I heard was that that uh, his his inside team is very concerned uh but that they're more concerned about getting him reelected. Uh he's only doing one rally per day. Uh, he was not willing to go out to the West Coast to do some fundraising and stuff. So that should be interesting. The other big thing, obviously, is uh, the Southern District of New York. Uh, obviously, the Mueller report, a little bit of a dud, a little bit of a dud, if you will. Uh, but apparently, uh, SDNY maybe maybe got something to, to say before things are all said and done. But as it stands right now, there is no collusion, no collusion. Total no vindication, a complete exoneration. Complete exoneration. What am I going to do? I, 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 for now, I will go along with it. That's all I can do. You can just keep making fun of origins and oranges. Coming up, we'll have a very special guest going to deep dive into some local Connecticut politics. The state of Connecticut is in a serious fiscal crisis, and one of the bigger issues is the teachers' pensions. Our guest is Litchfield First Selectman Leo Paul. Thank you so much for joining Divided We Stand. Uh, Connecticut's pension crisis for its state employee retirement system has consistently been blamed on decades of underfunding, which I guess is mostly true, and you can kind of explain that a little bit. Yeah. Uh, missing from the conversation, I notice, is the 1971 Connecticut passed a law which said the state must pay the full annual contribution toward its pensions and the unfunded liabilities by 1985. Connecticut was paying 100% of its annualized pension costs in the years leading up to Connecticut's income tax. They don't do it anymore. Why? Uh, that's not a question I, could, I, I can answer directly, but I, I will tell you that they have bonded money to pay for the teacher's pension. They are forced by that bond covenant that they that they the last bonding issue they did, they are forced to paying into that pension plan, but they have not been paying attention to it and they have not been funding it at the level at which they are. And I gotta tell you, as a local leader, our concern right now is that what the state wants to do is to take their mismanagement and their lack of funding the teacher's pension and put it on the communities. There are some communities that have a difficult way of managing their funding and managing their bonding and managing, you know. But most of the communities in the state of Connecticut, there's 169 of us, we do a phenomenal job. We have great bond ratings. The state doesn't. And I got to tell you, with the state's bad bond rating, it has an impact on, uh, on, uh, you know, on, on the communities. The last time we went to D.C., uh, I mean, not to D.C., to, uh, to New York City and met with S&P for our bond issue we had last year. One of, the, one of the questions they asked, how are you going to handle the fact that Connecticut's finances are in bad shape? 
And we had to answer the question in a way that basically said, I'm, I'm not concerned about what Connecticut's doing. I'm concerned about what, and I'm from Litchfield, I'm concerned about what Litchfield's doing and whether or not we can afford to pay the bonds that we're going to issue on the, on the, on the things that we need done. And if the state begins to take away our finances, we have a plan that's going to provide us what we need to get done so that we can continue to move forward and function the way we should function as a community, provide the emergency services, provide all of, the, all of our road and safety, uh, make sure our kids are educated in a, in a top-notch school, making sure we've got enough money to manage all of those things. And that is, uh, that's the impact that we have to deal with as a local leader as it relates to the, to the state's management or lack of management of their of their funding resources and they always seem to say all right well we need the funding we'll just go to the towns and they go to the towns that are in good shape they'll go to a litchfield where we have a, a they're rather, not going after new britain and bristol no 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 of course not they're, they're, because they want to provide money to those communities specifically hartford you saw what they did last year with with, with a huge amount of money they're sending to hartford uh, to try to shear up their finances, to make sure Hartford doesn't have to claim bankruptcy. And that's what's happening. They've got to get the money somewhere. And the way they're going to get the money is by not funding their responsibility as it relates to the state, the teachers' pension, and, and, and the unions. And they're coming to communities, and they're reducing our funding, and they're having us pay things like the teachers' pension. And, they're, and they've established, right now it's off the table, but when the implementer bills hit, at about 10, 30, 11 o'clock at night, the last night of legislature, that's when it's gonna. That's when it's gonna hit again. All right. So the state employee retirement system has amassed 20 billion in unfunded liabilities. Taxpayers are on the hook for 1.5 billion per year, which is the equivalent of Connecticut's yearly transportation spending. Uh, state employees have had to increase their contributions towards the pension system Correct. over the course of the CBAC negotiations in 2011 and 2017. I know they want the towns to pick up more of it. What are the towns going to have to do, though, if if this gets put on their lap to have to fund these teacher pensions? And, and is there a better way to do this, Leo? Well, look, my view... Uh, as it relates to the the seaback uh, agreement or, or or the state pension for all employees, not only the teachers' pension, but what they need to do is they need to do what most of the communities have done. And right now there is a defined uh, benefit plan to the state employees and and all of the other employees that are getting pensions from the state. And what a defined benefit plan is that means you don't contribute. You might contribute a small amount, but when you retire. That's your money. You know, the, the state pays you a certain amount of money. Unlike a defined contribution plan like a 401, that's where you're contributing to your retirement, mm -hmm. and your employer contributes a certain amount toward that retirement also. And so that you get a benefit, both, both groups are, are paying into the retirement plan, but that's your money. You leave, you take that money with you after a short, work, a short amount of time, you can transfer it to your new employee's 401. The state has not and refuses to, to even look at that as an option for any future employees for the state of Connecticut. And that's an option that all of the communities have gone into. We've all been forced to go into it because we cannot afford to, to sustain a defined benefit plan, which many of our communities have had for a number of years. 
But for the town of Litchfield, since 2000, 2015, we said, that's it. We can do nothing more. It's got to be a defined contribution plan. We're paying 3% toward, uh, toward the employee's uh, retirement, and they're contributing whatever that they want to contribute. We're going up to 3% to match whatever it is they're contributing. Uh, I don't know what other communities are doing, but there are other communities that might be contributing more. That's one thing that the state, that the state should be doing. As it relates to how we're going to, the communities are going to respond, the only way we can do that, the only way we can do that, Joe, is to increase our property taxes. What does that do? And the state seems to not understand that. You increase the property taxes. If you go from a 26 mil to, uh, I know Governor Malloy about two or three years ago in his, state, in his opening, opening speech said he thought that all the communities across the state should have a, uh, a mill rate anywhere from 35 to 42. I did not know he said oh, that. Oh, absolutely, Jeez. he said that. He said it. We were standing there listening to the guy. You know what that would do for every community? For, that has a lower mill rate than, than that, it increases the property taxes on the individuals and increased property taxes lowers property values. Right. So if you own a $500,000 house or a $300,000 house and your mill rate goes from 25 to a 32, that five or three or $200,000 house is going to drop right through the basement. 200000 might it might be valued at one hundred fifty if you're lucky. Because that has a direct impact. Who the heck wants to come into a community where your taxes are high your va- and your property values are low? And that's the impact that, that uh, the state, I know some believe it, some understand that, but many of, the, many of the people in the legislature don't seem to understand that fact and that impact to local communities. That type of a thing has a direct impact on property values. My parents live in Meriden. They have since 1970. Their house is paid off. The the mill keeps going up in Meriden. It, it's something ridiculous at this point. They're, they're at some point, I'm assuming, going to have to sell their house. And I kind of comped down. You know, I have a real estate license. I, I was kind of looking to see where they would be at. I mean, it's bad. It's bad. Uh, I've got some other friends who have a house right on the edge of Meriden and Wallingford, but they're in Meriden. Mm-hmm. And, again, the, the property value, it, not good. You know, this is a house where if it was a quarter mile down the road, would probably double in its value. Oh, absolutely. For for places like Meriden that I think are already struggling to bring in more people, you know, uh, or to be a more attractive destination, there's some nice areas in Meriden. But there is, you know, why would you spend that kind of money to live in a place like Meriden where you're, you're getting taxed to death? You're not really Correct. getting anything no, out no. of it. No. It, so, so I, I think for, again, as a homeowner, I mean, I find this very distressing. And, and you know, and, and, and as a chief elected official and, 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 you know, former president of the Connecticut Council of Small Towns, and now I'm on the executive board of that same group, COST, and I'm on the executive board for CCM. These are the things that we, that we testify in Hartford about. Uh, and there are some people who actually do listen and pay attention to what we're saying, but there are others who already have their minds made up. I'm not going to put names out there, but but I was I was testifying with a with a colleague of mine from Old Lyme, and he got up and and in Old Lyme the mill rate is very very low because they have very expensive properties there, mm-hmm. and if you have very expensive properties who pay 
a pretty substantial amount of the tax structure, then you don't have to increase your mill rate proportionate to what your work might have to be because you have a good, a good tax base coming in. And um, the one, after his testimony, one of the representatives asked him, what is your mill rate? And at the time, I think it was like 17-something. Uh, and he says, 17, and you're telling me that you can't afford to supplement other communities that are struggling with high mill rates? My colleague looked at him and said, keep your damn money. We don't want your state money because you give me nothing anyway. Right. The money that the town of Litchfield gets is less than 1% of our budget. Our ECS money, we've got almost a $19 million Board of Education budget. Our ECS money is just over a million dollars. That equals nothing. Yeah. You might as well just keep it state and leave us alone. And that's and that's been part of our arguments. So, um, yeah, it, 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 there's, that's never going to happen, though. Well, of course not. Well, oh yeah, it is. They're they're the ECS money. Yeah. They are in a they are in a downslope. Right. There are communities right now. It was supposed to go over a ten year point. They've changed that this year. They now want to change it from ten years where your ECS money is going to depreciate if, if it's not zero, it's going to go down rather largely from 10 years to three years. So there's going to be communities that are going to lose all of their ECS money. I've got communities around me that have zero they receive from ECS money. And you say in three years, too. How do you plan for something where it's like, oh, by the way, well, you thought gonna, you had 10 years, now you got three years. Well, it's going to be a sharp, it's going to be a, a, a sharp, drastic change. It's, it's unfortunate. Uh, teacher's pension. For the town of Litchfield, I think it's $53,000 we had to increase our budget for this year in anticipation of having to spend and pay into the state's teacher pension that amount of money. My argument on the teacher's pension thing, if they want to give it to us, they need to turn it directly over to the communities. Have the teachers start to pay into Social Security. Have them fall under the town's pension plan, which would be a defined contribution plan. There would be contributions that they would have to make and the town would make on its other, on, on, on our behalf. And then beyond that, we would then manage that pension plan the same way we're managing it now. Right now, ours is funded very well. We're almost to 80% on our standard employee pension plan that we have in place, defined benefit and defined contribution, defined benefit for those who were grandfathered in when we switched over in 2015. And also the merit plan, which is for all of our volunteer ambulance and volunteer fire, fire companies. And we have four in Litchfield, four, four fire companies and, and one uh, volunteer ambulance company. That pension plan for those uh, volunteers is at 82%. We oh. always, with any kind of surplus that we might have for years now, if there is an opportunity for us to take some of that surplus and move it into sheer up our pension to lower our unfunded liability, we do that. And that's how we've been able to maintain what we have. So if the state wants to give it to us, give it to us. Uh, Leo Paul is the first selectman of Litchfield. He is also a Republican. And the reason I bring this up is this doesn't necessarily feel like it's a partisan issue in that this whole thing sort of started with Lowell Weicker, who was an independent, formerly Republican. John Rowland kicked the can down, uh, down the lane a little bit. Governor Rell, Dan Valoy. It, it seems like it, it's that's that's what this has been is we'll just put it off. We'll put it off. We'll put it off. It'll be the next person's problem. Is there a way for this state other than dumping this on the communities? What else can they do 
to get this thing funded like it was originally supposed to be funded. You know, I, I, I truly do believe that they need to get into the nuts and bolts of things. There's a lot of programs that the state of Connecticut provides um, to different groups and agencies throughout the state. There's hard decisions that, that need to be need to be uh, need to be made. And, and, and I've got to say, and this is going to be a trite statement because everybody's using it now, and that is the state doesn't have a revenue problem. We have a spending problem. We spend way beyond our means. And we at the local level, we're not, we don't have that ability. We can't end our year in a, in a deficit. It's against the law. Mm-hmm. And we don't do that. So the state needs to take a really hard look at itself. Uh, at, at, you said it started in Weicker. No, the teacher's pension was first established in the 30s. So the state has had this problem since the 30s, and it wasn't until 71, as you said, Joe, mm-hmm. that, that there was a law that says the state now has to fund the teacher's pension at 100%. Well, they've been skirting even that, and they, and they find ways to, to, avoid, uh, to avoid doing what they have to do. But what they can do, let's, let's just tie this to transportation, for example. What the state continuously does is they divert the money that is supposed to go to repairing our roads and bridges out of the transport special transportation fund. I stand, I sit corrected, not out of the special transportation fund. They divert it before it gets to the special oh, transportation. Even fund. better. <laughs> there was even there was even a rep, and I you need to YouTube this. There was a representative. I'm going to say her name, Kathy Austin. She's also the first selectman of Sprague. And, and, and she, I guess she got tired of hearing all of us and all the people who are testifying making a comment, stop robbing the special transportation fund, and you won't need to implement tolls. Well, she said, I want to just clarify things, ladies and gentlemen. We don't rob. We have never taken money out of the special transportation fund to pay for other things. We just divert it before it gets there. And I went, are you kidding me? Oh, you weren't like, thanks for the explanation? That makes a lot of sense. <laughs> I mean, that's like I didn't rob the bank. I robbed everybody outside going in to make a deposit. Absolutely. You're still robbing. I mean, think about this. Right now, the governor has in his budget the, the, tax, the, tax, uh, the, the, uh, the sales tax on, on automobile sales. That was slated for the special transportation fund. He's moved it. He's taken it out. And on the other side of their mouths, they're talking about implementing tolls. And you got to think about these people who live on 95. Those are major cities that 95 travels through. Same thing with 91. Those are major cities that, that those freeways go through. When you think about Massachusetts Turnpike, where do the tolls end? Tolls end right at, what is it, 495 that goes right, around yeah. Boston? Yep. It doesn't go into Boston. Mm-hmm. So guess what? The people that are using the the what it what turns out to be ninety that does go through into Boston, people who get on and off in that in that busy city area, they're not paying taxes to on Route ninety. They might be paying taxes when they go over the Tobin Bridge, but when you look at that Route ninety going across Massachusetts, there are no major cities that it that it traverses. No. Connecticut ninety five. Look at all the major cities you're going to have to go through to get to go from the from the west to the to the east. Back in 2000, Connecticut was doing very well, fiscally speaking, and they chose to give out rebates mm-hmm. to uh, 
fifty dollars individuals, hundred dollars to couples. That cost the state a hundred million dollars to do that, and it was a nice gift. Make it rain. Uh, that that was nice. <laughs> they were told at the time that it was probably a stupid idea to do that. That they could have taken that money and invested it into the state as opposed to just handing right. it out. And again, right, right. fifty to hundred dollars. Let's be honest, is peanuts. You know, that it's peanuts. Even, that doesn't even cover your beer money. No, it it really doesn't. <laughs> I mean, not, think about it. Not our beer money, right, Brian? <laughs> not even close. Absolutely right. So we've seen mismanagement literally now in in this state for 20 years you can say 30 oh, years yeah, even you could probably go yeah. you, you you've been around longer Leo. Yeah. i mean and you've been involved and you've seen it. it it seems like there's a lot of kicking the can down down the street and it's because they don't want to make those tough decisions joe they they don't want to they don't want to reduce the amount of money that's going you know uh, uh, into education, for example. Now, I know that that is the most important and critical thing that we can do as a state in every one of our every one of our communities. Uh, however, you know, the state gives no managerial control to local communities over the boards of education. And I've said this before, and I'm probably going to get crucified for it, but communities manage budgets. And the boards of education, they spend their budget. So if in my community, they have a $19 million budget. They're going to spend that budget. And it's all with the mindset of, if I don't spend what the, what the town has given me, I'm not going to get that next year. Right. I don't want to get less next time. Exactly. So, and, and I'll be, look, I, was, I spent over 20 years on active duty in the military. One of my jobs was a logistics officer. And as a logistics officer, I got millions and millions and millions of dollars to spend every single year purchasing the stuff that we needed to, to support our troops. I was at the headquarters. I made sure by the end of the year that I had zero dollars because I didn't want us to have to go to the federal government and say to the federal government, hey, we didn't spend $2 million and because they would have said, well, you obviously didn't need the $2 million. That would be diverted elsewhere. Correct. So, you know, if I may, and that's know, unfortunately that's the mindset that we've created. When in, Bob Stefanowski was running for for governor uh, last November, you mm -hmm. know, he was talking about doing the the zero the zero budget. We're yeah, basically zero budget. And yeah. and I thought to myself, you know, I, I'm on the library board in Weathersfield. You know, we have a budget, we stick to it, and and we're not and never have been uh, over inflating that budget. You got to get that thing passed through the town council. So, sure. but here's my thought. You know, he he thought he could save millions of dollars by doing that, and I and I disagree with that thought because again, as somebody who's in charge of of putting forth a budget, we're not asking for extra. And you, I mean, I I agree with what you said there. You got to spend every cent of it. You know, the, no, you don't have to. That, but that's the mindset. Well, that, but that, it, it yeah. has to be the mindset yeah. because look, they're always you're you're end year end over end. You're, you're gonna have to. You're gonna need a slight increase. Okay, even at, at something like the library, there's always increased costs, whether it be the health care that right. has to be covered right. or whatever. You're trying to cap how much more you need year over year, because if you ask for too much, you're going to get turned down and you're going to have to make cuts. However. If you can produce a zero percent increase budget, which in Litchfield we've done for uh, not always at a zero. 
Um, but last year, as an example, we had a 0% increase except for the Board of Education. They had a $60,000 uh, increase and that's because the board of finance decided that the board of ed was requesting a Spanish teacher, so they decided to introduce a Spanish program or uh, add to their Spanish program, and it was a sixty thousand dollar increase. What I've always directed my departments to do, if I'm asking them for a zero, then guess what? I know you're forced by your union contract to increase the employees' salaries by whatever the percentage is. Then guess what? You need to find something else in your budget that you can live without. I do not believe, do not believe that there are departments in the state of Connecticut or departments in my, in my town or any other town that cannot survive by giving things up. You've got to find some areas, and that's what the state needs to do. They've got to find – you can't continue to operate at this level. And this is what Stefanowski was trying to say. You cannot continue to operate at the same level you've been operating because you can't afford it. It, it can't be sustained. So what needs to happen is if you have a 2% increase automatic with any of your employees, please don't tell me you can't find 2% reduction somewhere else in your budget. Maybe it means you have 25 less paper reams. And I'm being kind of crazy here. <laughs> or maybe it means, guess what? You normally go on a, uh, on a, on a trip if you're, you know, for the GFOA, the, the Government Financial Office Association. Well, guess what? Maybe if you go on two trips, you bring it down to one. Sure. And if you can't afford to bring it down to one, you, go, you don't go. You don't go for a year. Or if there's some additional supplies that you need. My public works department, as example, I said to them, and I've said to them for the last few years, and I told them this year again, why is it that you have to spend so much money on tools, hand tools? Well, because they're misplaced or they break and blah. I said, I don't want to hear it. You need to come up with a way that you are going to manage your inventory. And I explained to them, when I was in the Air Force as a young lad and I was working on B-52 bombers, I had a couple of tool chests that I had to manage. That meant if I saw you in my tool chest... I'm going to break your hand <laughs> because if I don't have that same wrench that logistics had given me, that supply had given me, by the time I leave that base, I'm paying for it. And so I told him, you need to come up with an inventory plan where you're not spending as much money replacing your hand tools or your electrical tools, your drills and those types of things. That's the kind of stuff that, that departments, agencies communities and the state needs to be taking a closer look at. So it sounds like the town of Litchfield doesn't have the mandated arts budget that the state of Connecticut has that for their oil paintings and all those uh, nice, nice things that have to appear in the state houses. Well, that's their choice. That is a, that's a very good, that's a very good point that I'm making. Do they really need to have money to buy these oil paintings in my town? We have local artists they display their stuff in our town hall or in different areas of the town in hopes of selling them. When then, you have the money, go to town. Spend it. When you don't... You don't spend that's it. That's a good place to start. I was just going to say, it seems like that, in a way, if you can find a way to spend every penny of your budget, like you're saying, you should be able to go back and then find a way to reduce some of those things and find some other avenues to put some of that money towards. Oh, yeah. You see, what, what I implemented a long time ago in Litchfield was, was about... This time of year, February maybe, spending freeze. And they went, oh, it's amazing. Was that an election year? 
it didn't matter. <laughs> it didn't matter. Good for you. It was amazing. It was absolutely amazing. Those same departments that went, oh, my God. I said, the only spending you can do is unless it comes over across my desk, and you're going to have to justify that. If there's an emergency, spend the money. If there's something that you absolutely have to have to make sure that our community is safe, spend the money. If you need something that has to make sure that, that you're functioning properly, spend the money. But don't go out and spend 25 pens if you already have 60 in your drawer. Wasn't there a... Uh, and that's an exaggeration, but you know. Wasn't there a former mayor of Bridgeport who didn't believe in plowing the roads, so he just let him, let him build up? Oh, I forget I, where I heard that. I, that I don't, I don't remember or know that one. How'd that work out? They're not, they're not oh, known for having good mayors, generally <laughs> speaking. So I, but, but, that's, but those are the kinds of things... You know, you bring you bring up exactly the art. You know, I, I heard about that and I just scratched my head. That's that's ridiculous. Of course, I, in my view, I, I think that I think that is too. I mean, but those are the types of things that the that the state spends money on that really, I'm sorry, are not necessary. Let me hit you up on two things before we before we wrap up with All Leo right. Paul for a selectman of Litchfield. I know you're against tolls. You don't support tolls at, at all. Is that correct? <sighs> no, nah, I, look, I. It's not a panacea, as many people in the, in, in the state believe uh, and, and the party in charge right now. Uh, first off, what, what's your ROI? How long is it going to take for you to pay back all of the money you've got to borrow to build these, these, these toll, uh, I forget what they're called, the gantries, yep. uh, and, and, and the amount of people you're going to hire to manage the program? It, it, it's going to cost you a lot of money. I, I think it's over a couple of billion anyway, four, five, eight billion, something crazy like that. How long is it going to take you to get that money back? You're not going to be able. It's you're not going to suddenly see all this revenue come in, and you're going to see all this, all this maintenance going on. It's not going to happen. Are the buses pulling in any money? No. <laughs> Just kidding. Everybody hates the buses. <laughs> Next one, Leo. Legalizing marijuana. What What are your thoughts? Does it make sense for the state if it's done properly? No. If there's laws put into place? Again, we don't have a revenue problem. We have a spending problem. Again, I'm trite. Uh, because that's what everybody says, but we don't have. A, but wouldn't uh, more revenue help with the spending problem? No, no, it's going to make your spending problem worse. All right, no, you, no, you're right. You you're suddenly right. you suddenly get a bonus from work. Yeah, I don't. I'm a chief elected official. <laughs> but, <laughs> but 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 you know, if somebody gets a bonus in work, how many people truthfully take that and put it into investments? I'm not saying there aren't. There's probably the people with the people who are very, very well off are smart enough to understand. I'm going to take that money. I'm going to put it into my investments. I'm going to shear up my retirement. I'm going to make sure that that happens. My wife got a very nice bonus this year, and that's what we did with some of that money. But we're spending the rest of the money on improvements in our house. So I'm using that as an analogy to say that if the state gets all this revenue from marijuana, where do you think it's? Where do you think they're going to spend it? Roads and infrastructure? No. Arts. Oh, let's try this. Or let's do, and they're going to the just going to spend more money. <laughs> Chips and snacks. That's just that's, that's just that's just my that's just my view. Uh, look, I'm I'm a I'm a conservative, uh, you know, fiscally, and and I, I I I and the thing that bothers me, it is a gateway drug. We have and you guys may not agree. There's going to be people out there. You're out of your mind. Okay, okay, I'm out of my mind. Yes, I just think it is. I, and and with with the drug problems that we have. With these opioids, why, why 
are we introducing a drug that could lead them to something more? That's just me. And I can see the looks on your faces. I had a young guy who say to me, well, how do you expect to bring young people into Connecticut if you don't oh, that's marijuana? That is a ri- that's a ridiculous <laughs> notion. I, that I, I, I would laugh at his face. I mean, you know, I, I don't remember who it was. I, I, it was uh, an elected official in D.C. recently I saw saying something to the effect of there hasn't been enough studies on the effects of marijuana, which is outrageously ridiculous. Yeah, yeah. It is. Been it's been going on for years. It's yeah. not a gateway right. drug as much as if you're already someone who's prone to being an addict. It'll you're going to be an addict. It'll, you'll Absolutely. be an addict anyway. Yeah. You, you know what I mean? I don't think opioids and marijuana are even... I mean, they, they technically are, but they shouldn't be even in the same category. I can tell you, I live in the community in Massachusetts that's probably the poster community for the opioid addiction, and we just opened our first pot shop last week. So what community is that? It's the Greenfield, Massachusetts community. Oh, I Franklin was, County. I was up in. Um, oh God, uh, they have another one. This is, this is a, a Berkshire up in. Uh, um, but anyway, they have a pot shop there, and a bunch of us went up to celebrate a friend's birthday, and we went into we went into the brewery to have a have a lunch and have a couple of beers, and we were in there a couple of hours, and when we drove by, we saw the pot shop. And that the line coming out of that building. Oh, that was probably Northampton. Oh, it might have been coming out of that building. Came <laughs> that's out that's the, the big no. That's the big one. It has to the end, to the end of the... when it first opened, you could barely drive down those streets, let oh. alone you get know wait in line and get inside yeah. the store. We came, we came in. We came out a couple of hours later, and that line had not gone down. Isn't that good for businesses in the area, though? If you're you're driving traffic into the area, see if there's any surrounding development with all these people. Unless they're in. smoking it in the parking lot and stopping at the restaurant, I don't think so. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't think so. Fair. Fair. I, I, again, you've already sort of specified that it, it's, it's a spending issue, not as much a, a revenue right. issue in this That's state. That's my view. There's a way to make the toll thing go away that doesn't involve weed, and that would be to raise the highest tax rate in this state from 6.99 to 8.74%. The sales tax. Correct. Okay. Yeah. Uh, if they were to do that, my understanding is tolls would be completely unnecessary. You're going to get more money. You're just going to spend more money. Is that uh, is that ultimately the problem here? Uh, that's that's my view. The more money you got, the more you're going to spend. And I just think that they keep looking for revenue. They keep looking for revenue. They need to change the way they... They manage their budgets. That's just my view. Uh, I was part of a CCM board that put together a report that addressed the sales tax and addressed uh, increasing the sales tax on on some items and things. And, but it, but that was only one small part of the whole report. It was a report that was about two inches thick, but it covered all kinds of ways that the state could look at the management of their of, of their finances and have an improvement and and maybe get us on the right track. Um, but that was just one aspect of it, the sales tax piece. Any chance Leo Paul is going to run for governor? No. <laughs> Absolutely not, huh? No. Not even thinking about it? No. If I run for governor, will you be my campaign manager? No. <laughs> <laughs> will you be uh, Will you be an unpaid advisor? No. <laughs> I like where this is going. A lot of possibilities. For you to run for governor, Joe? Yes, sir. 
It's just too much work to be a campaign advisor and to work on something like that. No, I wouldn't do it. All right. No, no, no. I'll ask you again when it happens. Yeah, when it happens, then we'll have a <laughs> Then we'll have a real talk about Absolutely. it. Absolutely. All right. So Absolutely. you're only he's only dismissing me out of a hand because I haven't announced no, it yet. No, once you get it, once you once you get it, once you make your announcement and you get elected, I'll be more than happy to serve on your Will uh, you be my chief of staff? I'd, sure, I'll be your chief of staff. All right. You wouldn't like me though. Leo, you are not going to like me because I'm going to be the guy not doing any work. It's going to be all you. It's going to be awesome. Well, that's the chief of staff. That's yeah, what that's what I'm Absolutely. saying. Leo Paul, first selectman of Litchfield. I want to thank you so much for joining us today on Divided We Stand. A lot of good information, uh, really important stuff that I think people really need to know about going forward and how to get the state back to where it needs to be. All right. Sounds good. Thank you very much. I appreciate being here. It was a lot of fun. Thank you so much to First Selectman Leo Paul of Litchfield, a wonderful man uh, who certainly doesn't want to help my political career, but that's fine. <laughs> um, I don't blame him. He's a good Republican. Once Leo's... you get the snowball rolling down the hill, he sounds like he'd, he'd, I, I, he'd I, help I'll, you out. I'll get him on board. Uh, and this Leo's going to like this. Uh, and, and and I would like to. I'm gonna. This might surprise some people, but can you can you leave the MAGA hat people alone? Can can we just stop? Uh, a woman was fired from her job at Starbucks this week for harassing a 74 year old Jewish man who was wearing a MAGA hat. She said, "Is that a MAGA hat?" He said, "Yes, I think it is." I don't think this guy was wearing it for any reason. <laughs> then somebody gave it to him. Yeah. Maybe he likes that the president supports Israel so much, but she started calling him a Nazi scum. Maybe it's like your uh, working outside hat for him. It could be. <laughs> it could be. Listen, this guy's sitting in Starbucks minding his business. He's a Jewish American. He's not a Nazi. No. Come on. You know, the Covington kid, Smirky McSmirkerson. I think that was his name. Yeah. Kid was yeah. a real little jerk, but. Still, careful, we, we might get sued. We need to stop <laughs> the nonsense in this country of like attacking people. And there's no reason for it is is basically what I'm saying. Not every Trump supporter is a racist. I thought that originally after the election. There's a lot of people who just can't stand Democrats and liberals because they're always complaining. They complain about everything, and I think that that's actually hurting their cause. I, I agree with that. I think that that's part of the reason why he got elected, like you said. People are just tired of hearing everything being a problem. I look at the media coverage of Donald Trump, and I hear from a lot of people, especially Republicans, and a lot of Republicans who don't necessarily support Trump, find that all the negative, 86% of the stories in mainstream media about Trump are negative. Again, it's mostly on him. That it's that way, but they start to feel like they're kind of rooting for him because they can't stand the liberal media. You turn on CNN, you got like six or seven bleeding hearts all complaining about Melania's shoes and and, you know, Ivanka isn't isn't stepping up for I mean, give me a break. <laughs> they call that Trump derangement syndrome on um, the right. I, yes. I they do and in the and, unhinged left. It's not it's not totally baseless, unfortunately. You know, sometimes talking to my own wife, who's a who's a liberal feminist, I start to think like, Come on, dude, really? 
That's where we're going with this. It's it's a lot of complaining, and I'm You're telling saying, you, come on, dude, to your wife, the liberal feminist. Come on, dude. <laughs> Equal opportunity, bro. You know what I'm saying? I'm just saying, I, you know, it, there comes a point where the constant complaining is not helping you. The constant attacks on the Trump, the whole family. Look, there's there's still six different investigations going on, and we still haven't heard from the Southern District of New York. All right, we got four pages. Right. Everybody, calm down. Going after going after people wearing MAGA hats, that might feel good in the moment, screaming up into the sky. Maybe that feels good. It's not a good look. It it's not a good look at all. It doesn't help the fact that people think you complain too much because then you're you're literally on the base of that just complaining because someone's wearing a hat. Yes. And then you and then some of them even go to the extent of saying that MAGA hat is just like a KKK hood. It's not. It's really not because, I mean, I wasn't around when all that was going on, but I've seen some pictures. I don't see people grocery shopping in KKK hoods like, ooh, Frosted Flakes are on sale. <laughs> I better, also leave think... that, better leave that person alone. <laughs> yeah. I also think that a lot of people are wearing MAGA hats at this point just to get the reaction, just to see how unhinged the left is and can be. I can see how that could be fun for some people. Sure. I and mean, look. You know, if you're being baited and you take the bait, ah, you're doing it wrong. Stop. Well, you mentioned the Covington kids, right? And they said at some point, somebody mentioned that they probably bought those hats that day. And then they showed up in this kind of, well, not hostile, but like a very vibrant group of protesting, uh, protests going on. You know, they Combustible. Had, right. It was a, a situation, no doubt, that, that those hats, when they bought them and they were standing there waiting for their bus, or at least that's what we were told they were doing, they knew that was going to set something off. Mm -hmm. We talk about mob mentality. And so a, a friend of mine, Trump supporter, right after the election, her daughter was on the school bus. And the kids were yelling at her because her daughter, I think she's in third grade, fourth grade, something like that. She was, likes Trump. Her parents like Trump. And all the kids were yelling at her because she liked Trump. Like, that. that's... It, it was horrible. That's horrible to hear that <laughs> that just like we want to have a conversation, but you you feed off of imaging and you feed off of things that you see. Mm -hmm. So I don't know necessarily blame the other kids on the bus, but it's just sad that that you can't support the candidate that you want to support yes. and feel like, right. you know, people know about the issues. You see the red hat and it's a it's a trigger. Yes, it's a trigger, and it's unfortunate. I was talking to a Republican buddy of mine yesterday who, I mean, it, it, it's no secret I don't like Donald Trump. Really? I think everybody's aware of Secret's that. Secret's out. Ooh. And and again, my my whole thing about Donald look, I, I liked Donald Trump. I used to spend my summers on the Jersey Shore, man, reading the Post and the news. The guy was always in the papers. I liked The Apprentice. I find Donald Trump to be a very entertaining person, mm -hmm. Okay. But I also like my presidents to be dignified. I didn't vote for Obama either time. I thought he handled himself very well. I definitely okay? agree with that. I thought he represented the United States very well. Didn't love the apology tour right off the bat there that he did back in back in eight. But still. That was a really long time ago. I, 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 I thought the guy, you know, there were times where, you know, he was a little divisive. And any president is going to come across that way to the other party. This guy's a jerk. About 80% of the time and says nonsensically. And I just I can't get behind that. I struggle with that. It upsets me that that the Republican Party, who I've been a contributor of since 2000, 
got behind somebody like that. And then the fact that he won, it didn't sit well with me. That's where my that's where my beef with this guy. I like Donald Trump. Okay, I just want my president to be a a, a, a respected yeah, just, person. I, I think we've got our promo material. Joe says I like Donald Trump. <laughs> <laughs> I really do, man. I used to. I I never missed The Apprentice. It was one of my favorite shows. But, I really got a kick out of it and 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 what he does. You fired audio department. Do your work. It's amazing. It's one thing though to like him as an entertainer, and then your president. Yes, it's another thing to have him putting people <laughs> in to run the Fed. Right. Listen, but again. <laughs> I mean, act like a real president and and earn my respect back, and you you could probably get my vote. I've been voting Republican my whole life. How many times is he going to file for bankruptcy? And now he's going to be in charge of all the <laughs> everything, right? The money. He's got his boys. He's bringing them in. Here we go. Here's another thing Donald Trump has to stop with this nonsense at the border. You're you're not closing the border. He says he's going to close it, but he knows full well he's not. It was a he, good four days by Mexico. He changed his tune. Yeah, then later way. said he would slap tariffs, big tariffs on on autos long before he ever considered shutting down the border. The ACLU said they they would sue him anyway. Understand that that with with eminent domain and the Fifth Amendment, that the possibility of that wall ever getting built is literally zero. Oh yeah. It, it would be tied up in the courts forever. He said he was going down this week to build parts of the wall. Yes. Oh. He's not. Oh. oh. Don't. There's... Again. <laughs> it so, just, it so, just writes itself. It really just does. This is the 21st time that Donald Trump said that he started building the wall. Oh, and what's the time frame for that? Uh I don't know this the past week. Maybe, he said 21 times. 21 times this uh, week. The Republican it. mayor of San Diego. Is opposed. Okay. Uh, Trump, of course, chided California's politicians. Take better care of your forests, he said. Yep. Never mind that yeah. the federal government controls 40% of those forests. Judge Flores made a bad ruling. The case was about a young woman whose last name was Flores. A girl who was raped and impregnated in U.S. custody. Not a bad ruling, Don. Not a bad ruling. President also said traffickers don't use the legal ports. They do. We just recently had the biggest bust in American history at a port of entry. What's what like sixty Come on, million dollars worth? He said some of our biggest opponents opponents have in the last two days agreed with him on immigration. You sure that aren't the voices in his head? I mean, he just says things. Could it be? He just says things. But this is what I'm talking about, man. This border is serious business. There's no caravans. There, there are, there's no, there's no lines of people trying to get into this country. That is just not true. There are lines of people trying to reunite with their families. That That's been, absolutely been true. <laughs> separated, right? So again, my my whole thing for Donald Trump is just do the right thing. Don't try to appease your base. They're in. They're locked and loaded. They're ready to go. They're MAGA and up for 2020. If you want to get everybody else or anybody else for that matter. Enough with this already. Enough. Hey, you can't use it as, as your your go-to every time something else comes out that doesn't look good for you. It seems like this is the thing that he uses to distract the border. And then it lingers on a few days. And then it kind of goes away again. And then something comes along and then it comes back up. Like, oh, yeah. If it was a big enough problem, you would have to deal with this consistently all the time. You wouldn't have, it wouldn't just be something you could throw out there as like, well, no pun intended. That's your trump card. 
Yeah. That's well done. That's what a trump card is going to end up being. Right. It's, it's, <laughs> By the time he's out of office. Oh, you talk about the border. If there's anything going on about Trump, oh, border. Mexico is going to pay for it. It's the same thing he did in the campaign trail. Look, here. here's ultimately what's going to happen. No matter what he does, no matter how much worse things get, the Democrats are going to find a way to run the worst possible candidate. <laughs> I, I would guarantee that, that they will find the worst possible candidate amongst them to be their person. I have such a feeling that that's how this is going to go down. Yeah. I, and I, I almost start to get the feeling, Eric, and I think you're going to like this, that both sides, I think, are more or less content with the way things are. Oh, Absolutely. They don't have to do anything. They don't have to really vote on anything. You can tweet your outrage. Sure. Yeah. You know, I mean, again, I mentioned this. I've mentioned this before. You know, Kamala Harris and Chris Murphy and Cory Booker are like, we got to fight. We got to stand. It's like, that's why you're there. It's your job. You do it. Holy smokes. I mean, you're telling me there's no procedural moves that they could do to fix any of this craziness right now? I don't believe it. They're all lawyers, too, for that matter. There's there's nothing in the books, huh? Nothing. You know, I'm like the opposite of you, too. You Republican most of your life. I was a Democrat most of my life. And I still sort of like to lean that way and try to – I kind of – you know, there's all these candidates. I would like to root for one of them. Yeah. But as they keep piling up, I'm looking at them and I'm like, you guys don't stand a chance. You're going to eat yourselves alive. Yes. You're not even going to you're not even going to be able to compete. You're going to be so busy fighting with each other to get to this point to go against Donald Trump. People are going to be sick of you. They're Bernie, not even going to need it. Bernie Sanders kicked the living daylights out of Hillary Clinton. Mm -hmm. And by the time she got to the starting line at the presidential election, she was in rough shape. And despite the fact that Bernie warned everybody about exactly exactly the type of person that Donald Trump was, and I don't mean him as a candidate, but just the 1% in this country being the biggest issue with with politics and and this idea that it's it's, you know, immigrants, it's it's gays, it's transgender people, it's black people, it's whatever yeah. that 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 that's that's it's just not this. This country is divided based on wealth. There's there's the haves and the have nots. And ultimately, those same folks are trying to convince you that it's the immigrants, that it's everybody else. Oh, when, right. in fact, we, we know what the problem is in this country, and it seems to me that neither side really wants to take that seriously and fix it. I, I do take issue. So on Thursday, there was a big conference, and all the all the who's who of Democratic candidates were there. And, you know, they're, they're playing to their base. They're trying to one-up each other, and Bernie comes on. He says, you know what? I, I take no joy in, in saying this, but our president's a racist, and he's a bigot, and all these things. Don't tell me you take no joy in saying it, because that seems very disingenuous. <laughs> you know, you got Elizabeth Warren out there, and she's telling her story about coming up from Oklahoma. It's just, you know, it, it, it makes it really hard to vote for anybody. Well, and it goes back to what we were just talking about. We get it. He's he's not a savory person. Yes. He is all these things. Yes. We've heard you say this before. Yes. What else do you got? Correct. He's got 40 years of business dealings to 
I can tell you he's he's a racist and a bigot. He's a racist. He's a liar. He's all of those things. And he's the president. And he's the president. With and a 51% approval rating, you, according to Rasmussen. You've barely been able to stop him on right. any front. So I say that to people all the time. You can call him a racist till you're blue in the face. If you believe it, you believe it. Whether he is or not, let that be decided. But you keep saying it, and people keep hearing it, but they don't hear anything else. They want to hear what you have. Give them something. Relate to them. The Democrats will have to step up big time and have something, I think you said it earlier, besides just not being Trump. That that's not that's what that's is not going to be enough. Correct. What is their plan? I don't I don't know that they have one. I think they're going to continue to run on that again. I mean, I went and I was firmly expecting to not get a good tax return, best one I've gotten since George W. Bush was in office. So you're not a socialist. No, I'm not a socialist <laughs> just yet. Look, I, I like a lot of the things the Democrats are talking about. That's the party that identifies more with middle class America. That's where I live. You know, Trump talked about doing a middle class tax cut. That never happened. No. You know. Um What about clean coal for you? Does that do anything for you? Uh not really. So clean. So clean. No. You know, I I, I mean again, I, I don't know what it's gonna take for the Democrats, but it, it's it, it's an uphill battle, whether it's Biden, whether it's Kamala well, Harris. The economy is doing well. Hillary again. <laughs> 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 yeah, let's all have a good laugh about that. Uh, I don't know. I don't know what's going to happen, but I, I just have a bad feeling that, and I and I can't believe this is happening. But and again, so I I would like the guy's going to stay around. Just come on, President Trump. Come on, let's let's just just stop. That's all I'm asking. It's not going to happen. Where are these people? Like You're the right. guy who wrote the op-ed about trying to keep him on the rails. Like where are these people? Because they're not doing a very good job if they're in there. It seems like. <laughs> They have all sort of fallen in line. Yeah, maybe. You look at people like Jeff Flake. I mean, right? A lot of lip service. Chuck Grassley, lip service. Every now and again, you're like, hey, Mr. President, don't do that. And he's like, hey, look, you dumb clown. And you're like, all right, I'm sorry. I was just kidding. (laughs) Why is that Chuck Grassley sounds? I don't know. (laughs) I haven't heard Chuck Grassley speak in a while. I I want to sound like this. I don't know what the Iowa accent is. Maybe it's this. Uh, I'm Chuck Grassley. Something about porn. Gangster movie. (laughs) (laughs) Chuck Grassley's been alive for a long time. I'm sure he talked like that at some point. That's right. (laughs) Back when he was a villain in the 50s. When he was a kid back in the 40s. He was like, ah, see, I'm going to get into politics. (laughs) It all checks out. It certainly does. You could fact check that if you want. Anyway, I, I, that's all I'm saying. Right now, I think Donald Trump's sitting in a good spot, and 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 really, this election is 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 his for the taking. In terms of growing a show, I think we've managed to piss off both Democrats and Republicans today. <laughs> that's so. the best kind of show to hey, have, Brian. I really appreciate you listening. Just, <laughs> I'm just trying to be honest. I, I I've seen too much. I don't like it. At some point, someone's going to have to turn this country around and get things. Undivided, redivided, you smell unified. What the rock is cooking. Ooh, my goodness Ooh. gracious! Ooh. Can you imagine? <laughs> I think he's got as good a chance as any Democrat at this point. I don't think he's like running. That. No, I know he's a Republican, and that's what I'm saying. I don't think he's running. No, no, uh, not this time. Yeah, you think you think in 2024? Maybe. Yeah, maybe. Do you think Trump will put him in the cabinet? Second term Trump. <laughs> All bets oh are my off. God. All bets are off. Oh yeah. 
probably right. Jared, you have work to do. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, make sure you check us out on our Facebook page. We love to hear from you. You can comment on all the different articles or just let us know what you thought of today's show. Did we, in fact, piss off both sides? That's certainly uh, a possibility. Divided We Stand is the name of the Facebook page. You can also tweet at us at DWS News Podcast. The best way to really stick it to us is to like and subscribe to what we're doing. Please don't do that. That would really show us up. That's right. That would <laughs> be right. a lot of punishment there. For Eric Farron and Brian Forster, I'm Joe McGuire. Thanks so much for checking out this week's episode of Divided We Stand. Absolutely give my return, but I'm being audited now for two or three years, so I can't do it until the audit is finished, obviously. You never give a tax return when you're being audited. You know I get audited every single year. But I can't release tax returns when there's an audit. Because it's under audit. I'll release them when the audit's completed. Nobody would release when it's under audit. I've had audits for 15 or 16 years. Every year I have a routine audit. Under audit, when the audit's complete, I'll release them. Almost every lawyer says, you don't release your returns until the audit's complete. When the audit's complete, I'll do it. Well, I'm not releasing the tax returns because, as you know, they're under audit. The president uh, is under audit. It's a routine one. It continues. We're we're under the same audit that existed, and, uh, and so nothing has changed.